Did you know that our species has changed? That human beings have mutated? I'm talking about a mutation that has taken place within man as the result of a decision that our earliest ancestor made. This mutation occurred in a garden at the base of a tree. In today's show, we will be looking at the mutation of man because it is important to see what happened, where did the mutation occur, and why understanding this can be a key for unlocking how to understand the struggle, challenges, and cycles you may find yourself in right now. Let's get into it. You are listening to Raising the Standard, leadership, mindset, and development for the kingdom man. If you've ever wondered, how can I be the man God created me to be? Or maybe you asked yourself, what purpose does God have for my life? If that sounds like you, then you're in the right place. My goal is simple, to help you access the unfair advantage all Christian men have and give you actionable strategies to reach your full potential. My name is Josh Kachadorian. I am a best-selling author, husband, father, disciple, and son of Jesus Christ. If you're ready to get off the sidelines, upgrade into your identity as a kingdom man, and take the territory that God has for you, then it's time to raise the standard. Did you know that there has been a mutation within man? To understand this, we must examine how we are designed. I go into greater detail about the mind of God towards man in episodes four and five. But for today, we do need to review this as this is such a foundational piece in the purposes and plan of God for you and me, for man. In Genesis 1, verse 26 and 27, we see that God created man in his image and likeness. And what we get here, guys, this is original intent. There is a proper order and alignment to how he created us. And everything God creates is perfect. We're also going to see in this account that God is a triune being. He's a three-part being, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And you also are going to see that we are made up of three parts as well. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, we read this, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. So guys, I'm going to break this verse down for you because we see three components in this verse that I want to go into detail. And this is critical for us to understand and to get. And we see that God formed man of the dust of the earth. It's referencing our physical human body, our flesh and our blood. We also see that God breathed into our nostrils the breath of life. At that moment in time, man became a living soul. So God, who is spirit, breathed into man. And when he breathed into man, he imparted his life, his spirit life, which birthed a human spirit within man. And he does this into a flesh and blood body. And when the spirit life of God met within that flesh and blood body, we became a living soul. The soul of man was the connection point. The soul of man comprises the mind, the will, and the emotions. So we have this spirit life within us, this human spirit that God breathed into us. So man has a human spirit and we have a soul which is connected to our body. 
So another way we can say this is that you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. So what we see in Genesis is that Adam, as the original man, was a creature of two realms, interfacing with the spiritual and the natural at the same time. We were the only created hybrid being, and we lived within two realms in this place known as the Garden of Eden. It was comprised of the spiritual and the natural, and we have elements of both as we see here. The spirit mirrors the natural, and guys, we have five senses in our physical body. I'm also going to tell you that you have five spiritual senses, that Adam had five spiritual senses, and we can look through scripture and we can find verses for each one of these spiritual attributes that mirror what we experience in the natural realm. Adam could experience the material creation around him as well as experience God, who is spirit. Adam was made for fellowship, communion, and cooperation with God. This was God's first representative man. Adam is also known as the federal head of the human race. Okay, so we know the story. Guys, you are all familiar with the creation account and what happens next. God creates man for dominion. He places him within the garden. This shows us the plan, the purpose, and the original intent that God had when he first created man and the human race. And we know what happens just at the second chapter of Genesis. We see a cataclysmic fall. It's known as the fall. It's the fall of man when he falls and he sins and he chooses to act in disobedience to God's command for him. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 and 17, we will read about the one command that God gave Adam and Eve not to do. They were not to eat of one tree that was separated in the garden. And we know the story. They fall. They get tempted. They give into temptation and they make a bad decision and act in disobedience. And when that happened, sin entered the world. And sin has effects. Sin had an effect on the social order. Sin had an effect on the material universe. Sin had an effect on the earth. We see physical death entering the world. And we see that sin affects his body. And this is where I primarily want to focus right now. Let's be clear. Sin did not just enter the world. Sin entered Adam. So where did sin go? And I want you to see this because when you do, it's going to open up new understanding into where and how we relate to God and how we walk out our earthly existence. Sin penetrated the innermost part of Adam's being, his spirit. And that was the meeting place of God and man. So we see death enters his spirit, and also enters the human race. And guys, there's so many Bible verses we have about death entering through one man. We could go right through the New Testament. For the sake of this show, I'm not going to list all of these references, but we have them. There's no question that death entered the world and death entered Adam. And how does this death manifest? What's it look like for Adam? Well, his spirit, his spirit goes dead towards God. So we talked about Adam and all of men being made, each having three parts. The spirit part of Adam is now dead to God. And when his spirit dies, he's now cut off from the spiritual realm. So guys, this is a mutation. Man has been mutated. As a result of Adam's sin, 
His body is now changing. His body is physically getting old. It's starting to decay. We know sin is in the world. The earth is literally shaking and changing under the weight of death that is now entered into this realm that God has created for man. And not only that, we see man's spirit become dead. It's deadened unto God. So now he has a body and a soul, but his spirit is dead. The proper order in scripture and the proper alignment for how we are created and how we relate to God and walk out our existence, the original intent was spirit, soul, and body. We see this in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23. There's no question about this. Paul tells the church in that letter that he wanted the Lord. His desire was that the Lord would sanctify them entirely, spirit, soul, and body. That was the order that Paul gave. That was the order that God created us for. That is proper alignment for how man was created. And we see after this decision that Adam makes, after this act of disobedience, and after death enters the world, the order is now changed. The order is no longer spirit, soul, and body. The new order changes, shifts, and mutates. Man was designed with a human spirit meant to be in union with God, ruling over his soul and his body. And when he sinned, the spirit dies. And what happens next is that the soul enlarges. There's a mutation that takes place in absence of the spirit, or we could say the spirit shrunk, the spirit was deadened. And as that spirit retreats and that part of man goes dead, there is an enlargement and a mutation of man's soul. We will notice later in Genesis that we no longer see men being made in the image and likeness of God. We now carry the image and likeness of Adam. We become an entirely different species than what God intended. Instead of the spirit governing, the soul has enlarged and is now in a place of governance. So we are going to find a key to understanding in the name of the tree that Adam and Eve from. That tree represented the knowledge of good and evil. And so what we see as a result of that tree, and I'm going to touch on this quickly because it's important for us to understand, I'll go into it deeper on a later episode, but man will now become a knowledge seeker because it was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Not only that, it tells us there's evil involved. So we know we inherit a sinful nature. We know that all men are born sinners, that we all have fallen short of the glory of God. But there's another side of this tree that is often overlooked, and that's the knowledge of good. So we know it contained the knowledge of evil, and that can be observed with a propensity to sin. And the fact that we live in a fallen world, and we see the results of sin echoing through the earth as a result of sin and death entering the world. But there's this other side of the tree, which is the knowledge of good. And there will also now be within man, within you and me, a propensity to want to do good apart from God. So we will see this knowledge of good and evil, the fruit of this tree, evidenced in the earth by man doing evil and then feeling bad about it, going into shame, going into despair and trying to do good, only to fall again and go through the same cycle of perpetuating sin and then trying to make up for it with good deeds and good works. And this is a result of eating from the wrong tree. 
the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it's still impacting and affecting men everywhere. It creates this vicious cycle where you want to do good, you desire to do good, you fall, and then you go into despair, you become ashamed of yourself, and you try to work back up to this state of good works. I will talk more about that on a future episode and more implications of how that affects us today as men and as believers. So I want to go back to this mutation that occurred within man, and we need to ask the question, how did this and how does this affect us? For the unbeliever, the spirit of man is deadened to God, and you inherit this nature. This is why Jesus said, you must be born again. And when he said this, he is referencing new life, regeneration, a new birth, and that new birth occurs within your spirit. It is your spirit being reborn unto God. That part that went dead at the fall is now becoming alive unto God at the moment of rebirth. And that is why Jesus says, you must be born again. So what about the believer? What about the kingdom man that's listening right now? What about you and me who are walking and following Jesus as a disciple? You've been born again, but you still seem to struggle. You still identify with that vicious cycle of wanting to do good, of tripping, of falling down, of falling into despair, becoming ashamed, and wanting to pick yourself back up again and try over. How does that cycle show up and how does that cycle affect you and I as believers? When you understand the history of man, the drive you have, the cravings of your body, what will be referenced as the old man, the natural man, the carnal man, and the flesh throughout the pages of the New Testament, you will see that even for a believer who is regenerated, your spirit comes alive, but the human spirit, that spirit within you that is now alive must enlarge. It must come into a place of ascendancy because as a result of the fall, as a result of this mutation, our soul is now governing. We could say our soul is an ascendancy over our spirit. And this has many implications on us as a human race, as believers and disciples of Jesus. So here is the question. Do believers still have to deal with these carnal impulses? The answer is yes. This is the Christian life. There is a free gift of salvation that's offered to all of us. We can't work for it. We can't earn it. And salvation can be thought of as the door. When you receive Jesus Christ, when you decide to follow him, when you become his disciple and walk the same path that he walks, that is just the entrance. That is just the door. That is just the beginning of your Christian walk. And then what ensues next is a progressive relationship with God, where we follow Jesus and lay down our life. And when it says our life, we're talking about that old nature, that carnal and fleshy impulses, those desires and those appetites that don't disappear at the moment of being born again. It's our old ways. It's what's known as the self-life. This is why Jesus says, if any man will follow me, he must pick up his cross. So in summary, guys, man has mutated. As a result of the fall, the soul became enlarged, the spirit became deadened, and even at the point of new birth and regeneration, when you give your life to Jesus and when you pledge your life to follow him as a disciple, you are going to walk this progressive path of dying to your self-life. That process of your soul coming under submission 
to your human spirit in union with God. Salvation is free. The blood is for salvation. The cross is for your flesh. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If what you heard here today resonated with you and you want to fully step in to be the man that God created and called you to be, then I want to give you a free guide. It's called The Map, and you can get it at standard59.com. In The Map, I will give you 12 biblical strategies that every kingdom man pursuing biblical masculinity must honor. If you're ready to step off the sidelines and pursue the upward call, then get the map today at standard59.com. That's standard59.com. Hey, if there's a brother in your life that needs to hear this message, then share this show with them. And please leave us a rating and review. It helps get the message out there to more men. Until the next show, guys, let's raise the standard.